Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. Welcome to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria with me and with the lovely Sister Karina. Good morning, Sister Karina. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm very well. All the better for seeing you and very excited to be um, about to answer some some burning questions on the hearts of our listeners. Very good. Um, how are you doing? I'm very well. I have an exam tomorrow, which isn't great, but on the other hand, Ooh. um my vegetable growing seems to be going very well, though I don't think I will get any sort of additional points in the exam if I if I point that out. But still, <laughs> <laughs> keeps me going, so that's fine. What sort of things are you growing there? Lettuces, parsnips, and tomatoes. So uh, lovely. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, not um, waste any time speaking to one another about the. Um, uh, things that don't pertain to this program, although actually I love doing that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> let us let's begin with a, a prayer, if you if you don't mind, Sister Kino. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to pour out your blessing upon all who listen to this show, all who have questions. We ask you to fill our hearts and our minds with a deeper knowledge and love of your Son. We ask you to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. And we ask all of this through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much, um, Sister Carino, and thank you for joining us today. Um, and um, we've had a few uh, questions that have been sent in via um, voice messages. I'm just going to to play the first one. So um, hopefully you can hear this nice and clearly. I have a question. I've noticed that in the Latin rite, it seems, but I'm not sure if I'm right, but it seems that quite often we talk about the cro the passion and the cross. And I also have a sense that, again, may be wrong, that in the Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Catholic Orthodox traditions, they, always, they talk more about the death and resurrection. Um, I find the passion and cross 
psychologically, emotionally, it doesn't quite work for me. It feels quite depressing. So instead, when I hear or read that, can I think in my mind the death and resurrection? Um, I don't know. To me, it feels like there's more of a complete sense of what happened and what Jesus did for us at the end of his life and at the beginning of his uh, ascension and of course after that the coming of the Holy Spirit so that's my question so could you hear that all right Sister Karina yes I could yes lovely and I think it's a it's a very good question because um mm. we're not just talking about uh two different ways of saying the same thing the um mm. passion and cross mm. um are not synonyms for death and resurrection um no and uh, and resurrection does definitely uh, end on a different note. Yes. So I'd like to hear what your thoughts are mm. about that. And and also, if we can answer her question about, can I think about um, the, uh, can I think about the death and resurrection while I'm saying the, the passion and cross? Um, my, my answer to that would be yes. And to explain why, I'd go back to the scriptures and particularly the Gospel of John, which speaks of the Paschal mystery as the hour of Christ, as Christ's hour. And one of the things that we can really learn from the Gospel of John is that for God, the Paschal mystery is one thing. You know, the saving, passion, death, resurrection and ascension of Christ is one big sweeping act of salvation made by God. Now, for us as human beings, because we live in time, we experience time as one thing after another. And therefore, for us, we experience or think about the Paschal mystery as one thing after another. Whereas in the mind of God, it is, it is one act of salvation. And this is what John is trying to get across when he talks of the Paschal mystery as just the, the hour of Christ. Or rather when, when, when John, you know, records the words of Jesus talking about his hour. So we can take that as our kind of foundation that when we talk about passion, death, resurrection, ascension, what we're talking about is the Paschal mystery of Christ. And this is one act of salvation. And so we, we might find that in different spiritual traditions, in different liturgical traditions, um, different, different aspects of this one Paschal mystery are emphasised. And if it's personally spiritually helpful for you to meditate on one or to use certain terminology, you know, as, as long as it's, you know, sort of Christian and ecclesial sort of terminology for for that Paschal mystery, I think, I think that's absolutely fine. Thank you. That's, that's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's helpful to um, interrogate some of these translations and the way in which they've come to us, because mm -hmm. on, on one of the episodes, somebody was speaking about how they, they didn't like the, the way that we say uh, in the creed that he descended into hell. And, um, and my reaction was, well, it's in the creed. I mean, what's yeah. there? What's there not to like? And um, <laughs> you know, you just kind of have to have to take it as the the rule of of prayer, as the rule of faith. But mm -hmm. um, in that episode, I I learnt from Father Toby's answer that actually 
um, it's not uh, the perhaps the best translation, um, and uh, and he had reasons for for you know that which he explained. Um, so I think these questions are, are are really really good for us to to look into and to and to realize that we have um, you know Eastern and Western traditions that are are, mm. are valid um, and yeah. and complement one in another and and emphasize mm. different things at mm. at different points. So thank you for a really great question. Um, that was from Aileen. And um, we have a caller on the line. Radio Maria, hello. Hello, dear. <clears throat> is that Augusta? Yes, dear, dear. Augusta, yes, dear. would you like to ask a question to Sister Carino? Yes, I would. Go for it. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, pardon my, <clears throat> my throat. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Do your yes. best. Yes. Now, um, in order to be baptized as a baby, yeah. uh, you can't stand for yourself. So you have to have a, a godmother and godfather mm-hmm. to take on the responsibility of that the grown-up takes on when they're baptized. Yes. And they take that responsibility on for the child. Mm-hmm. And I understand that they must be Catholic. Is there taking the responsibility of bringing up the children, seeing that the child is brought up as a Catholic? That's right. Well, I have this problem that I was baptized by a Spanish nurse who delivered money in Colombia, South America. Yeah. And she was only Spanish-speaking. And mommy only knew some words in Spain. Yes. I mean, of Spanish. And she didn't know what the nurse was saying when she was baptizing me when I was born. She baptized me immediately. Now, I don't know whether that's a custom in Colombia or not. But anyway, that's what Mummy said, that she baptized me. Wow. Now, she didn't know the... Mummy didn't know the language, so she didn't really know what she said on my behalf. And, of course, she couldn't possibly look after me because we left Colombia and headed for Britain. And of course, I've never seen her, wow. this nurse, and neither is mommy. That's a fascinating question, Augusta. And um, then, and then my mother, because of that, <coughs> pardon me. That's okay. Because my mother wasn't really happy about this. <coughs> yeah. She asked her lifelong friend and her husband, who was a doctor, too, and he was a very good, they, they had a huge big practice in the Gorbals in Glasgow, which was a very poor uh, um, practice, but it was enormous. And of course, they had very wealthy people on the borders right round the the. Uh, big um, 
area. And <clears throat> so there were very well-to-do people. And mommy asked them if they would take on the responsibility of uh, having me baptized again. Oh, wow. And okay. they said, they said, yes, of course, that they would. They were Catholics and went to Mass every Sunday. But somehow she never went up to the front of the church and told Mommy that we should dress up going to Mass and not go up to the front of the church. We should go at the back of the church. And we might meet somebody at the back of the church. And I thought, that's crazy. We don't go to Holy Mass to meet somebody. Yeah. We Augusta, go to Holy Mass before, for I, Mass. I don't want us to, to lose sight of your question. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so let's let's just focus so, on, on the, the on idea the of baptism. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so just before we answer it, Augusta, Augusta, just before yes. we get to it, am I right in saying that you were then baptized um, because your mother was not sure that you were baptized properly, so you were baptized again by your new yes. godparents? Now, the fact is that years later, <coughs> they never did anything regarding um, uh, seeing that I was brought up a Catholic, but it was obvious that I was being brought up by my mother and grandmother. Yeah. As a Catholic. <coughs> and <coughs> years later, the, the father, the husband, suddenly died in the street and on the pavement of a heart attack or whatever. This is your godfather. My godfather. Yeah. And my godmother, then years later, told me. She didn't tell Mummy, because I think the shot would be yeah. too much for Mummy. She told Mummy that neither of them believed from the 1920s. And I was baptized in the 1930s. Right, okay. Good question, Augusta. So, so you want to know, if you, is your baptism it, valid? Um, is my baptism valid? Because okay. they didn't believe in anything. They okay. didn't believe in God. Yeah. Okay. Because the students were at that stage. Augusta, when they were, when they were your godparents, did they um did they baptize you or did they get a priest to baptize you? Oh yes, they okay. got a priest who was Father Sheridan okay. who baptized me, but they took the responsibility from okay. me. Okay, so Augusta, we, we're gonna have to, to we're gonna have to let um, Sister Carino answer this question so we can yes. we can get onto it. But thank you, it's a really great question. Oh, so I'm gonna just summarize that. it for Sister Carino quickly. Yes, thank you. So you, yes. were, um, Augusta, says that she was baptized at the point of of birth by a Spanish um, nurse, but her mother was not aware, not didn't know whether she used the correct words, and this woman um, uh, they were separated from because they left the country. Um, and her mother, anxious to know that she was baptized correctly, um, had her baptized again by friends of theirs um, and uh, as godparents by a priest. These these friends became the godparents. But um, then Augusta found out that they had actually lost their faith before the, the date of the baptism. So mm. the question is, um, does Augusta's, is Augusta's baptism not valid, seeing as her godparents were not um, true believers. 
Okie dokie. Well, thank you very much for your question, Augusta, and for, for giving us a, a bit of detail about, about your life as well. It's a very good question. Um, the first thing to say is that uh, in terms of your, um, the initial, shall we call it, um, attempt at baptism or um, alleged baptism, proposed baptism, um, an infant can be baptised even against the will of their parents if they're in danger of death or the ordinary minister of baptisms, like the priest, um, is not able to be there as long as the person uh, uses water and the right words and does so with the intention of the church. So to make someone a Christian, to save them from original sin. Um, of course, the issue here, as you've said, is that your mum wasn't sure of the words used um, by by the midwife, by the nurse. Yes. And so in that in that in that situation where you're not sure if a baptism is valid, then yes, seeking a, a conditional baptism, you know, where, where the minister says, you know, in the event that you are not already baptized, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and so on, um, is, is a perfectly sort of normal um course of events to to follow now yours yours the, so the second part of your question about whether the baptism that was administered by a priest but in the presence of, of god parents who were not believers whether that's valid um the question is uh, sorry the answer is yes yes that is that is valid as long as the the priest the minister um was using water and the correct form of words which is I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the okay, issue you might be talking about... On. Who didn't take on the responsibility of seeing that I was brought up as a Catholic? Yeah, but, but that doesn't affect the validity of the baptism. That will affect um, the... So basically, the the promises that the parents yes, exactly. and the godparents so, make to, to bring up a child in the Catholic faith, um, but they're necessary... But making that promise. There was so, so, that promise. so that that still doesn't affect the validity of the baptism. But um, nobody will, was making that promise. It's it's unfortunate, Augusta, and, and uh, I think it's it's a sad thing that it, uh, that it happened. But you're still a child of God, and you've yeah, you're properly baptized, baptized Catholic. Catholic, and and I'm sure that the Lord has looked after you through through your very pious mother. Um, oh yeah. So I think it's it's sad that I'm that your godparents were were not honest. Um, and, I know. Um, but I think um, but that doesn't mean that you're you're not um incorporated into into the church. Uh, e even though it, it's a little bit like being born and then and then not getting the proper love from um from one of your parents. But that doesn't mean that you're not part of the family um which you are and definitely part of the Radio Maria family. <laughs> Augusta, we're oh, gonna we're gonna have to to move that. on. Um, uh, is that okay? Well, <clears throat> thank you so much I for. I thought that they had to take on the responsibility of a grown up who is yeah. being baptized, and if they don't take on the responsibility, I mean, it's, that, it's then the child isn't baptized. No, that the baptism is still has definitely taken place, but that the priest is meant to make sure beforehand that there's at least one parent who's willing and yeah, able. But neither of them, neither of them were, were believed in God, neither yeah. the mother or the father. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not there to make... Augusta, we're going to have to just say this one God. more time. Um, it, they're not there to make the baptism valid. They're just there to help you live your baptismal vows. 
But they didn't yeah. do that. They didn't do that, and it's very sad. But I think you've you've turned out all right. <laughs> Augusta, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to move on. But thank you so much for for the question. All right. Thank you, Augusta. That was a really so, good question. So it doesn't thank matter you. if they if they got them believe in God or not. They still can, as the priest said. They still can be baptized. Is that right? So you can take anyone who are, who doesn't believe in God and ask them to be the godmother and godfather. Is that right? No. No, it's not no. right. No, right. there so are some rules right around who can be a godparent. It's not right with me either. Yeah, we agree with you, Augusta. It's not yeah, right. I think you're you're quite right, Augusta. But um, as as Tim has said, it's you know it's it's the it's a fact that you are a beloved child of God through your baptism. And even though you maybe didn't get the best start in your Christian life, um, it seems to me that you've really been open to the grace of God, and well, yes, really chosen to live as as His child. So that's that's really well, beautiful. I actually baptized. Yes, yeah, you, you were definitely baptized. All right, we're going to have to move on. Thank you so much, Augusta. Um, this okay. we're going to go to a song. Um, I chose this one because it relates to today's gospel. It's by Tree Sixty Three, and it's called Treasure. Listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria with me, Tim Hutchinson, and with Sister Carino. And we're answering a very interesting question about baptism a minute ago. 
Now, being the person who usually uh, facilitates these programs, I get the um, opportunity to add a few of my own questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to do just that. Um, now, I grew up reading... Sorry, I did not grow up reading horoscopes. I grew up... <laughs> Tim's conversion story. <laughs> I grew up... This question is about horoscopes. Um, I grew up being told that reading horoscopes in the newspapers was wrong and a sin. Um, and, um, and then I subsequently found out that there is a reason for this in Catholic teaching. Um, but for me, it extended over to even um, not wanting to inquire about what my star sign was um and i see a lot of people who are are quite a bit more casual about that um and kind of curious and and say oh what's your star sign what's your sign and um i'd like to know from you uh sister karina is is there an embargo on on knowing one's star sign does it does the uh catholic teaching of not consulting horoscopes extend that far um your thoughts would be greatly appreciated. I would say knowing your star sign isn't a problem as long as we're working from the assumption that we know that what time of the year and therefore what constellation you're born under does not actually affect your personality or the course of your life. So knowing this as a bit of like sort of random untrue trivia, like for instance, when I was a teenager, something that's very popular was like, you know, what Harry Potter character are you quizzes and what Lord of the Rings character are you quizzes, which I did without actually believing that I was Hermione or Arwen. Um, in the same way, like if you just happen to know that you're, you know, what your Zodiac star sign would be, um, as long as you're not finding out this information in the mindset that this actually tells you something true about your personality or about the, the course of your life, so in general, I mean, I would really steer clear of not just horoscopes, but the whole sort of zodiac sign, star sign business, because it is it is part of a worldview that that is unchristian. The idea that you know what's going along, what's going on in the star constellations when you're born determines your personality and the course of your life is is unchristian, and therefore, let's just avoid it. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, I'm going to move on to a question from one of our listeners. This is from Raj, um, and it's been sent in as a voice note. Good morning, Sister Karina. Good morning, Tim. Uh, This is Raj. My question is about guardian angels. Psalm 9, 11, 12 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Again, Exodus 23, 20 says, Behold, I send an angel before you to the place that I have prepared. It means we have guardian angels. What does the Bible really say about guardian angels? Please explain. Thank you. So, I love the way that Raj um, gives us uh, so much, so much scriptural context for his yes. questions. It's, it's. Re- you can see he really does do his homework. Um, exactly. He doesn't just pull these questions out of thin air. Um, so, what does the Bible say about guardian angels? Excellent. This is a very good question. Um, as we know, the Bible does talk extensively of angels. The word angel 
is from the Greek angelos, which means messenger. So when we talk about angels, we're describing a function. You know, the word angel is kind of equivalent to, I don't know, like postman or, or doctor. You know, it's, it's a function that that a spiritual being is, is undertaking um, of delivering a message of being an angel. Um, I think a good place to go to get a good sort of summary of what the Bible says about guardian angels is when you go to paragraph 336 of the Catechism, paragraph 336 says, from its beginning until death, human life is surrounded by angels' watchful care and intercession. Then there's a footnote, and the footnote gives you lots of different um, scriptural verses to look at. The first one is Matthew 18.10, which is when our Lord says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Mm. So that's kind of the most explicit scriptural attestation. But then the catechism also points out Luke 16.22, um, which is the parable of Abraham and Divas, um, where we read, the poor man died and was carried away by angels. And then it also talks about Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord is encamped around, among those, around those who revere him to rescue them. Um, Job 33, um, where one of Job's interlocutors bah, says something about then if there should be for one of them an angel, so the idea that there is there is an angel for this human being. Then also um, Tobit 12, when Raphael says to, um, to Tobit, when you and Sarah prayed, it was I who brought a record of your prayer before the glory of the Lord. Um, and you can see from all these passages, you know, the term guardian angel is not mentioned explicitly, but you can see how the church built and sort of drew out this notion of a guardian angel um, from these texts. Um, and the catechism also quotes uh, one of the church fathers saying, beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd leading him to life. Um, so Raj, if you look at paragraph 336 of the catechism, you get um, the scriptural foundation for this belief. And also we can see how it gets developed in the writing of the church fathers. That was a wonderful answer. And I'm so glad you uh, brought up that scripture about the angels uh, beholding the face of God. There's a really lovely commentary by, um, not commentary, a, a really lovely uh, comment by Tolkien um, when he's sort of musing on that scripture and and sort of trying to to picture what the position is of um he, he says he sees the, the God sort of right in front mm -hmm. of the um, of the little child and the angel behind and, oh. the, and the angel is seeing the face of God looking at the child um, oh, which I think is lovely so yeah as you said we don't have an explicit reference to uh, guardian angels sort of quote unquote in the Bible but we can infer um, like we can infer with many things um, from scripture to doctrine um, that this is a truth. Um, and I think this has been confirmed through a lot of personal revelation, not that we take that as the basis, but um, that each of us have a, a guardian angel from, from the moment of our conception. Yeah. Um, and I've heard some really beautiful things about how in, uh, in heaven we will be kind of, you know, fully, 
uh, aware of who our guardian angels mm. are um, and be able to thank them. <laughs> mm. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, guardian angels is one of the areas of of uh, the church's belief that I think I'm still I'm still coming to an understanding of as a convert um, because I think. Uh, Angelology is something that popular, like secular culture, has picked up and made into something totally different. And therefore, I feel like I'm still purging myself of, um, you know, the kind of angel chat you get you get exposed to in in the world. Well, it can be a bit wacky, can't it? That's At true. Yeah. So I think there's a um, there is a a certain kind of uh, way of 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 emphasizing angels, which is not Christian. Um, and we need to be be wary of that. Um, they are servants of of God, and and not some kind of uh, separate deities. Or, or um, yeah. and so, I think there is an unchristian uh, sort of devotion to angels, which which we need to be wary of. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go on to another um, question of mine. <laughs> Um, you know what, Tim? I'm I'm starting to suspect that you know when callers call in, it's about half the time it's just you putting on a voice, and maybe <laughs> maybe all these questions from people like you, you're just using pseudonyms, and and it is all just you. Well, is that uh, true? I I'd um, I'd be uh, very um, flattered if I could I could do <laughs> such an incredible impersonations. Um, so let's <laughs> go to a question in my voice. This question is regarding the tetragrammaton, which is a wonderful word, um, and it, it is, is it's the name that uh, God reveals to Moses when Moses says, who shall I say has sent me? And he's standing in front of the burning bush. Um, and I learned recently that we're not allowed to use this name in Catholic liturgy. Um, but when I brought this up in a conversation recently with some Protestant friends, um, because somebody had used the, the, the word, um, uh, they were quite surprised. And one of them uh, kind of pushed back um, and said, well, you know, this is probably one of those man-made traditions that Jesus came to, to set us free from. Um, and I think that there was a little bit of anti-Catholic bias in that of, of not wanting to kind of, you know, seed something to, to Catholics that wasn't being practiced by uh, Protestants. Um, but I am firstly curious to know whether this does carry over into the way that we speak. Are we not allowed to use that word or is it just a liturgical practice? Um, I'd find it strange if we couldn't use it in the liturgy, but we could use it in mm. common speech. Yeah. And then also if there is perhaps a truth in what um, these friends were saying because one of them said, you know, like Jesus came to to break down these barriers and to bring us closer to God and to, to have a, a name for God that we're not allowed to utter. Um, surely this is is not uh, um, in the spirit of, of what Jesus came to, to do. Mm. So yeah, there's a bit there's a, a bit to get through there. Um, that's fine um you've made some good points and i think your friend has also made some good points as well um firstly you're correct that um in the catholic tradition we do not pronounce the the tetragrammaton um which is the the hebrew yet letters yod hey wav hey which comes from exodus 
as you've pointed out, this is the name that the Lord reveals to Moses. I am, or I am who I am. Um, we as Catholics do not pronounce it because we're following the tradition of our Jewish brothers and sisters, because as, as Israel's faith developed and its liturgy developed, um, the practice developed of not pronouncing that name. Um, so instead of pronouncing the divine name, uh, the word Adonai, meaning the Lord, is used. And in your Bible, when you see Lord in like shouty capitals, um, that's when the divine name has been um, replaced with with Adonai, basically. And so we, we follow the um, uh, the tradition of of, um, of our Jewish brothers and sisters in that because it's meant to reflect the fact that as the catechism puts it, oh, I hope I can remember this correctly, the, the catechism says something incredibly pro profound along the lines of the, um, the, the divine name is both the giving of a name and the denial of a name mm -hmm. because it's God saying, look, I, I am who I am. I am pure being. I am pure act. I am beyond your understanding. I am, I am beyond what you could possibly articulate or imagine in, in your human thinking and speaking. And so that's what the, the divine name is kind of aiming at. So it's a name that, that conveys an essence, a being, um, like the, the fundamental fact of, of, of who God is, which is beyond our understanding. Um, so it is kind of fitting that we do not just kind of throw this name around um, lightly. Now, when it comes to what your friend said about um, didn't Christ come to to set us free from this sort of thing, and to um, uh, to to, you, to to bring us closer to God, um, I think they are onto something there. And it's notable notable that in the Catechism, after describing or after talking about the Tetragrammaton, the the uh, the Catechism then goes on to talk about the name of Jesus, because the Tetragrammaton is not the definitive revelation of who God is. That is Christ. That is Jesus Christ, whose name contains his presence, which is why we invoke his name so often in prayer. So we don't need to stop with with Yahweh, with, with the Tetragrammaton. I've just said it. There we go. Um, we, we have the fullness of God's self-communication in Jesus, who has given us his name to invoke, to pray with, to call upon. And so part of understanding the Catholic attitude to the Tetragrammaton is understanding that we are called to invoke the name of God in, in our personal prayer, in our liturgical prayer, because we've been given the, the definitive self-revelation of God in Jesus Christ, who is God with a human face and a name. Um, and also, if anyone readers want to sort of look this up themselves, the bit of the catechism I'm thinking of is sort of paragraph 212, no, 210 onwards, I'd say. Yeah, that's great. I just got a, uh, a message from one of our listeners saying that Pope Benedict says we shouldn't even pronounce um, approximations of the Tetragrammaton um, and uh and this is out of respect for not only for the name of God, but also for the Jewish people who, yeah. for whom we um, owe this uh, 
this revealed truth which which exactly, we receive yeah. so yeah. i suppose that that um at least gives gives me the the catholic view that this is not a tradition of of men um yeah. but one to be respected um as something that is actually a, a true instantiation mm. of the divine law um, it's, it's it's very much part of salvation history and and how that history has 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 played out in the lives of the people of god that um this is both the giving of the name and the and the uh the denial of a, of a, of an easy name yeah. as it were yeah uh that was that was a really wonderful answer thank you um and uh, question <laughs> that um that brings us to the end of today's uh, questions of faith and it's always it's been really really fun and really great to have you on um sister carino and we look forward to having you again um in two weeks time yes um, always always good fun to be on too would you say a prayer for us please of course in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen, amen. father we thank you for this time together and we ask you to bless our listeners, those who phone in or write in with questions, we ask you to send forth your Holy Spirit upon them, to increase in them the gifts of your spirit and the fruits of your spirit. We ask that we may all be led closer to your son, Jesus Christ, today by your grace. St. Audrey, pray, pray for us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I didn't actually know it was St. Audrey today. We're just doing um, the ferry all day down here in the New Forest. Ah, it's an it's a East Anglian saint. Oh, there we go. There you go. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.